What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Pivot Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Dizan, the podcast where everyday entrepreneurs can share their inspiring stories and experiences from pivoting from one venture to the other. On this episode, we have Jeffrey Cruz. Jeff is a USC undergrad that went to law school, started working at big firms, and he finally decided to start his own firm with his wife that focuses on the client at all times. And he does this all while taking care of his lovely family. So welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thank you so much, Jack. I really appreciate you having me on here, man. How's life going, man, during this COVID situation? I guess personally, I don't feel like it has changed anything. I, I feel like my life was already at that point in in my journey where it was already changing without with or without COVID. I was already hitting a different like phase in my life. So COVID didn't really change me in the fact that I was already having to stay at home because I have a, a two-year-old. I mean, people who have kids, they'll, they'll just tell you, there's just this period of time where you're just going to be outside of the social life a little. And there's just some mornings where I just like wake up and I don't even want to leave the bed because I just want to hold her. Yeah. As far yeah. as professionally, it has affected them, you know, the, the economy and the market. Has COVID changed your approach on how to do your work yeah i mean i was gonna say like personally it didn't change much as far as business is concerned all business has changed i feel like one way or the other yeah due to covid it definitely has changed for us because i don't have to go to court it's everything is through through the phone depots can be done through zoom now so a lot of people are doing zoom depositions so that has changed it and there was a little adjustment period you know, the courts didn't know how to respond to this. I guess a hesitation to like to implement change at the beginning, but then they realized, okay, this is going to last longer. You know, we we as attorneys, they were telling us, oh, don't worry, things will change after the summer. You're going to be able to go to courts and do depositions in person. Things will like settle down, but it's the same thing, man. Going through almost a full blown year of staying at home and doing things remotely. But, you know, I actually wanted to have you on this podcast because I find your story like very interesting. I think a lot of people get caught up with, you know, living that life of working at a firm and making a pretty good amount of money. Getting comfortable is a good term sometimes. And it happens with everyone, right, in life. But I think I find it interesting that you decided with your wife, you know, let's start our own firm and let's build our own business. You know, and you're fairly young, man, like you, and you have a two-year-old. Doesn't, it seems like an arduous process. But I think for everyone out there, that's why I wanted to have you on is like someone that's, you know, even it doesn't even have to be in law, but just someone saying, hey, you know, when I want to start my own business and focus on what I can do and, you know, be an entrepreneur while being an attorney. So that's kind of why I wanted to have you on, man, because I think for anyone out there that's thinking about that, you would have a good perspective on that. Thanks for coming on, man. Like every start of my podcast, you know, I like to see where people the initial thought process of where they decide where they ended up uh-huh. uh, with their occupation or their way of life. Uh, how did that start? Where'd you grow up, man? I grew up in, I first grew up in, in Glendale for my first okay. of my life. And then basically for high school, I moved to where I live now, which is Roland Heights. So that was the first pivot of my life. I actually moved to schools a lot. When I was young, I moved to, you know, why is that? Kansas. I only moved to high school twice, but I did move college three times. How was your thought process on all that moving? So I went, the first high school I went to, no one from my 
uh, I guess middle school or elementary school went there. So I had to make new friends. And it was like a whole different just area from what I'm used to, which was yeah. I went living in Glendale, I was pretty much surrounded by Filipinos. Yeah. Just surrounded. I moved to a school in Pasadena. Did you feel like the minority? No, not at all. I never felt that way. I always felt like I could adapt. You know, that's a good point about you. I think you literally, for all the viewers out there, if you meet Jeff, like you could be his friend in like a minute. Honestly, I think you're one of the most approachable people I've ever met. Thank you. I really appreciate that. But uh, that's because of how I grew up. So I moved schools and then I went to, actually, you know, I went to three high schools. I got expelled in my first school. That's what happened. And it was something that I did that was so stupid. Like the things I, like the power of the internet, really. Yeah. Oh, you know, like you and me are part of that generation. You know, we're millennials because we remember a time when there were no internet. Anyways, I made a mistake. I went to a public high school, which is actually Roland High. There were bad influences in yeah. Roland High. And uh, I basically got in a fight with the wrong people. My parents pulled a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on <laughs> Bosco Tech in Roseby. So that was the third school I went to in my teenage years. Meet people all the time. Mm-hmm. But that's where I met, you know, my friends that I've stuck with for the rest of my life from Bosco. You know, Chris Cornell, who was previously a guest here. That transitioning from going to high school where you're more susceptible to doing bad things, and that's just based on influence and environment, right? But going to a Catholic high school. Boy, Catholic. So because we were all going through it together, that's where I built the strongest bonds with our friends. Like we went through hell together, if you will. It was what built the friendships I have today. And so, yeah, those are like... So like growing up, you're Filipino, full disclosure. Did your parents kind of influence you to get into yeah. a certain occupation? <laughs> if you're Filipino, bro, you know. There's, only like, there's really only like a couple options. Either a doctor or a nurse. So yeah, growing up, I had come from a family in the Philippines. have a lot of doctors in the family. So my mom always thought, and my mom was the one who called the shots in the house, just like the <laughs> Filipino house. Are you only child? No, I'm actually, I have a sister. I have okay. an older sister, and she's a nurse. Yeah, my, sis, my sister's a nurse, and so naturally, my mom said I should be a doctor. After graduating high school, I basically, my parents were like trying to get me to become a doctor, so I had to do everything that you needed to do to be a doctor, which is, I was an AP, almost everything, honor, whatever, and that's also because the teachers thought I was getting bored in the regular courses. <laughs> I didn't know you had to try hard or actually do the work in those other classes. So I ended up with like straight C's. But anyways, I had to do everything I needed to do to become a, a, a doc. Key club, doing key club, yeah. volunteer. All Taking all these activities, yeah. Yeah, to, to build your resume because that's what they taught, taught you. Like that's that's how you become successful. That's the definition of a success and trying to get into the good colleges. I ended up not getting into the good college because of those straight C's that I was getting in, in my senior year. So I ended up deciding, you know what? I think I'm just going to just try and do some sort of engineering. And I went to Cal Poly for two years, actually. Immediately when I first started at Cal Poly, I was like, no, this is not for me. I had to do all these courses. I went back to biology. and I Oh, you did? I'm going to try and do pharmacy. Maybe that's easier. Because there was just something about being a doctor that I just didn't want to. And I think it really came down to like the amount of school. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and do pharmacy. USC has a great pharmacy program. I just applied, not even thinking. I literally even almost like forgot that I had to apply. I did my application, I sent it in, and didn't even like think about it. I was just 
enjoying my time at, at Cal Poly. And then I get the letter saying I got admitted. So I went to USC, which is another change again. Uh-huh. I have to make a whole new set of friends. And I partied a lot. I The first two years was just, just a blur. You were bored in school, right? You're a smart guy. But is that something that's always been inherent? Is it just you get bored with things and I you... Do. And for the listeners, like if you talk to Jeff, you'll learn you'll learn something new uh, every time. I think that's also what drives me to just always try to do some change. I like mm-hmm. solid things in my life. You know, my wife, I just want to just be with my wife. And that's mm-hmm. You know, I have my parents, my family. That's just always going to be solid. But then in other aspects of my life, I feel that I, I just couldn't just sit down and just do the same thing over and over. Almost why, you know, like I can do something in my life or have this phase of my life and really get into that phase of my life, get bored all of a sudden and then decide, you know what, I just need to do something different right now. Spills into all other things and, you know, all aspects, whether it be professional, personal, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, like, you know, you're going to, I need something new or something you know, you've been doing things the unconventional route. I think what yeah, you were saying, yeah, you, what yeah. you were saying earlier, though, is like you know, you got to go to the key club, you got to make, you go to these activities, do the conventional route, be a doctor, and your life is good and everything is done. Yeah. But I, you know, before you start talking about like after SC and stuff like that, is um, when you started going from changing from you know engineering to pharmacy, like. Things like that, that's like not easy because at some point you're going to be like, hey, what do I really want to do? Do you get ever worried about like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not finding what I need to do or what I like to do or anything like that. Yeah, that's, that's, I felt like if, if there was one thing in my life, I wish I always knew what I wanted to do, but I did. That just, that's not how my life turned out. I, I, I didn't know what I needed to do, but that actually is a perfect segue to finishing the USC story. So I basically went, I, at, when I was at USC, I was approaching my graduation. I, I was I was starting to figure out, and that's where the anxiety came in. I started having this anxiety, yeah. and, and, and I didn't even know it was anxiety at the time, you know, but I started feeling this like nervousness, and I was like, I don't know what exactly I'm doing. I decided to just, for the heck of it, add so I was a biology major at USC and I was taking these like inorganic chemistry and all. Um, so I was barely passing. And so I decided to, for some odd reason, add psychology as a minor. And so I have a minor in psychology and you get to choose the different types of psychology. And I decided to do social psychology. After I graduated, I was still, I was, a, I was like a year and a half or, or maybe like about a year before I decided to do something. During that time, I just had some weird jobs. Uh, I was, uh, at one point I was doing SEO, blogging work. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, uh, I worked at like, just like administrative assistants at weird offices. Man, when I graduated, I was doing the same thing. Basically a friend of mine who I used to watch a lot of films with, we were just real film buffs at that time in my life. He basically romanticized like the entrance. The Time to Kill, you know, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> you know oh, now, I mean? If anyone watches that movie, they're just like, you know what? That's a closing uh, yeah. argument. If, if you're like, if my cousin Vinny, if he can do it, I can do that. You know, I can go to court. He romanticized it. He was like, let's, let's, let's go to law school. And so 
you know, I took some LSAT courses, uh, took the LSAT and didn't do so well. I'm not really good at standardized testing. So about being a lawyer though? I, I literally never thought about it. I had no like inspiration uh-huh. growing up saying like, you know, like, like I said, my parents were just in the medical field and we were both going to go to law school and he decided not to apply. No way. Yeah. I ended up choosing a school that would take me, that gave me a scholarship. Mm-hmm. It was Whittier Law School. I go the, the day, first day of orientation, I'm driving there and I just, I, I, I just drive past the law school and I go, Jeff, this is going to be for real. Like if you do this, this is going to be for real. You, this, you might be an attorney for the rest of your life. And so I drove past the school, drove around for a few minutes. I was like really early. I remember I drove around and got there with five minutes, maybe less than five minutes to spare. I met our arguably also my best friends in my life, the people from law school. I luckily met them and we went into it together. You know, like those yeah. are your, your comrades. Like comrades, your, your battle comrades, yeah. right? You're like, mm-hmm. you know, you know what you went through together. And so like before you started school, did you talk to anyone, like any other attorneys that were? <laughs> no, I wish I did. So at USC, I, I wrote for the, the newspaper for the sports section. Football was like amazing at that time that you're not going to get a football assignment because there's so many people grab that assignment. I decided to take a sports writing class and one of my teachers was J.A. Adonde. And so when I decided to go to law school, I decided to ask him to write me a letter of rec. And shout out to J.A. because he told me it's one of the best things I I needed to hear in that time of my life. We went to go get coffee uh, outside of USC. I still owe him a tie because he I feel like he helped me. And he basically, I asked him about why, you know, like what does he feel now after being a sports writer for so long, doing everything that he's been, being on ESPN radio. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. he's like the, the dean of sports writing in, or sports journalism in Northwestern. Western, yeah. But he, at that time, he was still just uh, an ESPN guy. And I asked him about it and he was like, is there anything, I asked him, is there anything you regret or like, how do you feel about it? And he's just like, whatever it is that you do will end up, you're, you know, doing it as a job, doing it for so long, doing it all the time, you're going to start hating it. And at the time he became just an ESPN basketball NBA analyst yeah. or writer. He, he told me, he goes, I can now enjoy going to doctor because it's not a job. Mm, that's a good point he, he grew up in la so he's a big dodger lakers everything he says i hate going to Lakers because it's a, it's a chore it's like the separation between your job and what you either love to do or what you were doing it's kind of hard right because they start blurring together and so i i think that's changed my perspective because you know growing up oh you got to do something you love if you listen to your parents doctor or nurse right yeah so you're like okay these are my options and this is what I'm gonna do. If if like if I if I don't find something that I love to do, then I'm just gonna end up becoming a doctor or a nurse. Yeah. And him telling me this, saying like, look, you don't want to be in love with what you do because in the end you're gonna end up hating it. That's such um, a good point. Yeah. And so it it was something I needed to hear at that time. I was I still go to law school nervous, but I ended up making my friends that I made and I'm you know, I love them. After that, the next change in my life was graduating law school. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean? like, what am I going to do? Like, I didn't even really think about it in law school. At that time, I was just like, let me just get through law school. 
I, I think that's a good point. I think to, you know, for, you know, people who are doing, you know, graduate studies and stuff like that, you're always sometimes focused in the day to day or the week to week, really thinking about that future. Like I really didn't like, I mean, I remember calling you sometimes be like, Hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to do after. I, I get the situation that you were in. And so how was that? Like, how was, you know, that quick, I mean, for everyone, law school is tough. Yeah. If you want to get in it, go ahead. As two attorneys over here, you know, we work a lot. And that's like with every job. Yeah. But the, 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 the thing is, the stories about actually trying to like persevere after and getting a job, those are the ones that people would want to hear. Like, yeah, law school is hard. Again, it was one of those things where like things came easy to me. So I just cruised through law school. I'm also, I'm a good writer. At least I think I am. It's one of my strong points about myself. Uh, you know what? I actually just going to tap on that a little bit. Was that something that you always did growing up? I, I, I really just picked it up because I like to read. So, mm-hmm. and, and not read in a traditional sense too, because I think it's like the frowned upon when people are reading from the internet. And I get it. There's places in the internet that have really horrible information, but there are also places in the internet that have great information. Yeah. Like Wikipedia, as long as you find where their sources are from exactly you know they're properly cited like is a great resource like i think wikipedia is a great source of information but anyways i picked up writing because i like to read a lot and i i'm a big sports fan so that's why i did sports writing i wanted to meet ja like i really (laughs) knew he was in the class so i wanted to meet him already because i've read a lot of his work growing up i there was a point in my life where i thought i wanted to be a writer romanticizing being a lawyer to me he, he that's what he said he was like you need a good writer like that's what lawyers do so but it's not like i thought it was going to be because legal writing is very structured and i do as far as like demand letters when i do demand letters i think it's a i give myself a little bit more leeway there to, yeah to, to change from the normal convention of legal writing all right so you graduated and then now you actually have to start looking for a job yeah so how was that i mean you passed the bar and that was it that was the time where i i told myself i didn't want to take it more than once there was people at school who were doubting me because i was the slacker yeah so i was like okay i need to prove some people wrong and that motivated me one of them being my friends i i would stay up until one and then wake up at at seven did you have any fear of of not passing it actually wasn't, but when you take it, it's a beast. At that time, luckily enough, I had some money, not a whole lot, but I was able to find a another SEO job for a law firm. Oh, okay. Who helped them with their SEO and helped them with the with the writing and stuff. And so that was the first job I got out of after the bar exam fell to your life. I run into a good friend of well, he's the husband of a good friend of mine from law school, Jackie Chan. Mike. Mike, he comes up to me and he's a at that time an assistant DA for for Riverside County. And he he's about maybe been doing it now at that point, maybe seven years, something like mm-hmm. that, around there, seven years. And he tells me, Jeff, he takes me to the side, you know, buys me a drink, takes me to the side and goes, Jeff. This is the last day of your life. You know, I wanted to be a DJ when I was growing up. He's like, then you become an attorney and then you become a suit. And that's what you're going to become now. Becoming a lawyer is is becoming a suit for someone. 
That's a good point, right? I think when you let it take over your thought process and you just wake up every day where it's like that Groundhog Day feeling, you do become a suit. You do lose the inner hunger you had when you were in law school or studying for the bar. So you pass the bar, the greatest thing, greatest moment, and then you finally have to actually start working as an attorney. Yeah, just kind of go a little bit about that. You just need to spend 30 minutes. It really only takes 30 minutes every day to apply to every position that you can find on the internet and do a cover letter because it always looks nicer to have a cover letter along Mm -hmm. with your resume. And so that's what I did. And I got some weird jobs. You know, one was doing bankruptcy that lasted two weeks maybe because it was so disorganized at that place. But I guess the most important one was this this guy who was a, a solo practitioner. And he mostly did employment law, but he did a little thing of everything. And one day he had two court hearings. One was at at Hill Street in downtown LA and it was a divorce proceeding. And I wasn't even sure what the second one was. Like, I just knew like I was gonna be with him. So it didn't even matter if I knew. Yeah. Like I'm with him that day, I'm shadowing him. I get there at 8.30 when it starts. (laughs) And like, like, yeah, my boss was just like expecting me. We ended up having to go to arbitration and so he tells me, look, I'm not going to be able to make my 130. You need to go to Van Nuys to the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board. What? I don't know what Workers' Comp is. I go and bring the assistant with me because she knows more than me. I basically went there and we tried to negotiate a settlement. Um, and I kept go. I was the one that had to keep going back and forth. But then at that time, this is like my first time ever negotiating in my yeah. life. Like, believe it or not, deal or no deal is actually a great way to show how a negotiation happens because there's a number in between both parties and, you know, you, you work your leverage and that's what it is. It's like the less cases there are, you know, the leverage changes for either the banker or the, the player. And so that was my first experience in a real life negotiation. Now, you know, I didn't know anything about workers' comp. But we tried to negotiate and we ended up not selling. I was like, wow, that's, that was actually pretty interesting. And I basically found a, a job for a deposition attorney mm-hmm. in downtown. And I meet, uh, I guess, my first mentor. I'm just going to name drop is Randy Levy. He mm-hmm. was a partner at this firm and he almost shaped the way I thought about being, how an attorney should be because he just knows how to be a businessman. You can never be both. You can never be an attorney and and a businessman you're gonna to have to choose one right now i'm doing both but eventually i'm gonna phase away from the actual legal work and have to run a business that's what he was but he gave me a shot and that was my first job it was a workers compensation uh workers compensation law firm and so that was my first case and i went through depositions first as a way of training and then once once the attorneys left that would go to hearings i got sent to the hearings now it was at the beginning I mean, this firm is a really high volume law firm. You get lots of cases. I, at one point in workers' comp, the appeals board in downtown LA, I had five hearings in the morning and four in the afternoon. It, I remember having, going to lunch, like super exhausted, knowing I had to do it again. And, that is a lot. Yeah. And so, but it was good training and they trained me really well over there. And so then, I decided that I, I, I just needed to get paid more at the time, you know? So how it works in workers' comp is in the defense side, they like to poach attorneys from each other. So there's a lot of- 100%, it's, yeah. It happens a lot and it's not a surprise. 
to see that at defense firms. And so defense firm approached me, asked me, you know, and gave me a really nice pay bump. And so I took it to a law firm out in Ontario. And I moved home at that time. I was living at home at the time. I was still going out to LA, but because I didn't live in LA, I didn't go out every night. It was perfect because at that time I was just like in shape, workout, focus on myself while I was living at home, while working in Ontario, just learning my trade of the work comp. But the thing was the guy, the boss was just not trusting me more, I guess is the right term because he was babying me, if you will, just giving me cases that were the bottom cases, right? The bottom, yeah. I want like more cases that were more, I guess, exciting, if you will. And uh, also you were thrown in the fire early on. You already know kind of what to do and have more experience, right? So so, I, so then I started thinking about moving again to another firm. And I ha- we had accidentally run into a friend of mine who used to work at the, at the first firm. And he was at another defense firm. We accidentally thought, that they were the clients. So we were there to meet, <laughs> to meet insurance people. Yeah. And and we thought that was them. This was like our first time meeting them. And it wasn't. And there was another law firm who was there to meet their own clients. Oh, wow. But really? I, yeah, I remember my friend and I, I kept in touch with him and he actually sent my information to his boss and his boss like called me in. So it was a firm in, in Glendale. And I was super excited because, you know, that's where I grew up. And so I was like, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I think I'm going to take it. And it was my chance for me and Chris to move. I guess I needed to get that out of my system. It's like yeah. a point in your life, like anyone, right? Like you're, you have a good job. You're making pretty good money. Your I was job, really good money. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're, you're, you're young. You know, you're not really jumping into jobs. So it's that point in your life where you let loose, have fun, start, start starting new things. Yeah. And you were there. You were in law school at the time. And that's where I first met Jack. And, and Chris was like telling me at the time, you know, like you just had previously, like you were going through a pivot in your life. Yeah, you're, you're exactly. In a relationship. And so uh-huh. I was already like fond of you because like, you know, I've been there, you know, as far as relationship wise, like yeah. you just need to get it out of your system too. This is perfect. And, and we met each other at the, at the right time, I feel like. That, that was good for our growth in ways that we didn't even think about it. And I was in law school and I would look up to you and I'd be like, man, this guy is already an attorney. He's <laughs> partying it up with me. He has to wake up early and do all of this stuff. I did need to, I, I felt like that was good to be encouraging at that time because law school is tough. Yeah. It's, it's not for the faint of heart for sure. You also made it where it's not too serious. That's the one thing about like law school and being a lawyer that everyone sees is just the seriousness that comes with it. Don't get me wrong. It's a serious job. But you cannot be like that every single day for every minute. But people see that, right? They're like, I want my attorney to be, you know, serious and stern. But that's just not, you can't live your life like that. At that point, honestly, I was already thinking about, like, do I even want to be in workers' comp? Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing something more. But then I realized that when you work on, like, anything like what you would think would be more prestigious i ended up working at a big shot law firm in downtown and i was seeing firsthand because i I, before that it was always just workers comp workers comp yeah ended up at a big firm and they have a large civil department and i was seeing firsthand just how stressed they are like 
be working late nights and you know i was done by like 4 35 and they're there until like eight nine you know and so i was like okay you know what workers comp isn't too bad like falling in love with this niche but i didn't like the atmosphere of this big shot law firm because at first i thought it was like cool and i was like i could drop the name and like, yeah this is where i work but then you realize that everyone was doing that in downtown because there's a bunch of big firms. So I don't need to be part of this nonsense. So I ended up moving to a smaller firm that just focused on workers' comp. And I hate to say this, but I felt comfortable. You know, I don't have to be best friends with anybody here. Yeah, just, I just need to get my work done. Get my work done and everyone is comfortable with each other. Or, you know, we have the same kind of humor because we're Asian, we watch the same things for the most part. So it was comfortable. And so I was like, okay, I like that. I don't need to worry about anything. And it was like the perfect time because I had gotten married is like, I got married. And so after that, we, I was working comfortably at this law firm, getting good benefits, a nice bonus structure, yeah, you know, perfect salary. Like I was comfortable and me and my wife decided to make it uncomfortable by getting pregnant. That was a big pivot in our life, but it was the best thing in my life. You know, I actually want to talk to you about like moving firms, right? Like anyone that moves jobs, right? It's mm-hmm. it's always a new beginning, a new structure. But was it for you like you just you were at a place and you're like I didn't like it and then you're like I'll you know, I'll find a place that fits well because regardless of firm culture, they stay they stick to places where it's like I hate where I'm at. I hate the people that I'm working with, but you know, I'm just here because I, I need a job or I like the job. And well, it's actually ties into something I said earlier about the workers comp culture itself, because I think it's different workers comp is its own little niche. And like I said, on the defense side, there's a lot of turnover. So yeah. moving firms is actually happens a lot. Mm-hmm. As far as me, like, did it feel like a change? I wanted to change. Like I went to a culture that was, you know, like, like the show suits. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be cool because I like the show suits and you realize, okay, it wasn't what it, it wasn't cut out to what it was supposed to be. I just, yeah. I just didn't like it. Almost felt kind of toxic because it's mm-hmm. just showboating. I wanted, so that last change was the one I wanted to make. And mm-hmm. that firm, I was comfortable. Like that's where you, you can start feeling like, okay, this could be it where I'm going to be stuck here. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and not because I'm so comfortable here. I'm used to what I'm getting paid, bonus structure, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you like the work you're doing. To- yeah. And then at the time I was ready comfortable and, and I was just like, okay, I'm a work comp attorney. So like part of your growth is trying to figure out your place in the world. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is this is becoming my place and especially at this last firm um i you know i was like i could totally stay here because it was mm-hmm. comfortable and that's what they call the golden handcuffs that's the proverbial term for being stuck somewhere where you're so comfortable but at least you're making good change yeah and that's how the system works right is trying to just pay you get your salary, pay your bills, buy a house, you know, buy a car and all that. And so 
working there, you know, I, at the time, like, this is my path. I'm just going to go through this path. Mm-hmm. We got pregnant. And again, best thing in my life. Uh, I stayed there at that firm. And my wife decides to, or actually before she got pregnant, she started working for herself. She was different in the sense that my wife didn't want to work for anybody. Uh-huh. She didn't want to have a boss. So a year after she passed the bar, she decided that she wanted to start working for herself. And this entrepreneurial spirit came or was given to her by her uncle, who uh, owns an oil refinery. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's a businessman. So he kind of gave that mindset to, to my wife, Amanda. And I've met him a few times. And at that time, he also changed the way I thought about things because I remember I was getting a promotion, right? So when I got to my last job, I was going to become managing attorney. And so I was like, oh man, I'm imagining the managing attorney. And that's, I go, that's a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal for me. I go to Christmas with this uncle and I say, I'm going to become a managing attorney. And he goes, so what is that? What is, well, so what do you do? What does that mean? It didn't even phase him. I was like, wow. And then you start meeting uh, a friend of, uh, Amanda's friend from law school, her boyfriend owns a, a brewery out in Minnesota. It's called Synthesis. Roll it out of here. But uh, <laughs> he, he's really good beer. He and the uncle started talking about business. And the way they talked about it was just this machine thing. I've never been a businessman. I was like really interested in their conversation. And I was like, wow, you know, I've always been, I've always leaned left politically and yeah. closest to like socialism. In, in a certain aspect, my whole life, I've always kind of believed in that we should just share the wealth and it would literally make life so much easier if, you know, wealth wasn't just so concentrated to the upper 1%. And then here I am listening to two businessmen and being intrigued, you know, yeah. and listening to them talk about what they think they could do better in their business, et cetera, et cetera. So we flash forward, we get pregnant and right before we give birth, my wife goes, why don't you just join me? Because she was already having trouble being pregnant and working, working and yeah. her own law firm. It was like really becoming stressful for her. And so I had to help her out. And so we decided to make that jump. And I was nervous. I told myself, though, like, let's save money for like yeah. six months, right? Save our money. And I will leave. Uh, it was April 2019. And then we'll do it. Or we'll do that jump. And the jump is the scariest, scariest things I ever did in my life. But I was, I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, we got, I, I say six months worth. We spent that in two months. Oh my God, really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. That we didn't realize that, you know, running a business entails, you know? So it was like two, three months that money went quick and you're starting to pay for things that you never had to pay before. Right. Yeah. And so it, you start having to hustle. Like start like every attorney I've spoken to other attorneys who started their firms too, and they always had that same story. Like, yeah, like that first year of being on your own is the hardest. The second year, which I'm about to complete, is still hard, but it's better than the first year. And so then you're expecting that that growth if you keep it up. You know what I mean? Each year by year, and I mean the books show that it is growing, but there's Things now that are that you are starting to do now as a businessman, like people's livelihood now, 
Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like paying people their salary because they need that for whatever it is they need at home. And that adds like a whole new pressure. An attorney working at a firm, that's a grind. But actually starting your own firm, like how was that first year? Like what were you doing? And you have to remember at this point, I worked at this other firm for two and a half, maybe close to three years. And I'm comfortable being a worker's comp. So I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And when I break out on my own, I was like stubborn about it. I was like, I'm only going to try and take workers' comp cases. You're just not going to get workers' comp cases immediately. Like mm-hmm. that's just not how it works. You're at that point when you're starting to need money, you start getting desperate. You start doing things outside of workers' comp. And so that's what I did my first year was take a lot of cases that were not workers' related. Were you? Yeah. Were you like scared? Did you? Did yeah, you have like really? some anxiety? Oh my gosh, I would ask, <laughs> luckily for me, Amanda did do this stuff, so she, okay. she could help me, but when I had to do it myself, I was so nervous, and, and I, I think that for me, that, that jump of breaking out on my own was, that burden was eased when I had someone there to hold mm-hmm. me, if you will, Yeah. so having her there by my side made that transition pretty easy, it, but that first year, it, so yeah, I'm doing all these crazy things. And, and that I've never done before, but I decided to use it as a marketing tool because I was dealing with other attorneys who were outside of workers. So after we would settle whatever issue, case, whatever it is, I was trying to do pre-lit cases, anything that I could try to settle outside of court. And I would invite them to get coffee, these attorneys. And I had really? to work. Yeah, it's, that's something you have to do. And that's, I, that's, one to tie in with the whole COVID thing, that's what's changed is it's harder to network. Now you just have to cold email sometimes. So, you know, that's I actually met a couple of attorneys just by emailing them and they mm-hmm. emailed me back and and now we send referrals to each other. So that has changed. The COVID did change the fact that that networking as an institution, I guess, it, it has changed. Mm-hmm. But anyways, going back to my first year, I would invite these people and so take all these cases. So that first year, I, I probably signed up. My first few months, I didn't sign any workers' comp. I have a good friend of mine from law school who is like one of my good best friends now. And I actually worked with his brother-in-law. And so they both, would, any chance they can help me, they would try and send me cases. And the one that I went to law school with, he, he was also an inspiration for me for why I felt I could do it. He's done a really good job with this firm and, and he helps me a lot to this day. I, growing up, I didn't have like mentors, but in your adult life, I, I do have mentors. And it's just in weird ways how I picked up these mentors. Yeah, just people that were in my, my life and my time, you know, whether it be professors like Jay or, or former employers like Randy. To a friend from law school, Daniel Chin, I'll just say his name, Daniel Chin. So anyways, he helped me. And if it wasn't for him, he gave me some good cases. But at the same time, I was still taking a bunch of cases. And I still do to this day. It's, it's not as much anymore. I'm starting to pick up a lot of good workers' comp cases. And they're happy because of the service I can provide, which is, is as opposed to a bigger firm, you know, I'm more personable. And I can give them the attention right now. Talk, talk about that. I think... Um... You know, working at a firm and also working for others, you kind of can't do things the way you would like to do it. 
you can work your cases the way you'd like to like to, but you still have the burden of someone or giving you the direction of how it should go sometimes. But yeah. now you have your own firm and you have your own culture that you're bringing into the firm. Talk about that. Like how did you have that thought process coming in? That definitely came with time. But here's the funny thing is my wife also likes to do things unconventionally. Mm-hmm. She's a very, if anyone's ever met Amanda, she's pretty unconventional too. So we've always come up with like, when we first started, like the first office we got was kind of like, like those office kind of hipster places. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're like, we're going to be one of those firms. We're just yeah. tables. We'll, we'll talk. Uh-huh. And we realized like, oh, we can't have private conversations. These people don't want to talk out in the open about their cases. Then we went and got the office that we're, we're, we've been in for, for almost two years now. And I like it. It's a little bit more personable. Building out your firm to your image takes time. But also when you start off on your own, you get to experiment a little bit. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit more leeway to see what works and doesn't work. Because like, you can't just say like one way works. It's like a definite statement. You need to try things out and see what what actually works for your type of client. You know, I've, I've also made some mistakes for earlier clients and I, you know, and I apologize to those clients, but I, I took those as a learning, you know, like a lesson learned and I'm able to get better. It's still an ongoing the image or culture that I'm trying to set for the law firm. The only thing I can say that is consistent is like we're family. Oh, yeah. We try to treat everyone like family. And I think our clients can attest to that. They get they feel taken care of as well. Talk about actually having a two-year-old and running your own firm with your wife. How is that? I mean, that's, you know, we talk about pivoting in this all the time. We talked about many pivots, but and I don't have any children right now, so I can't attest to that. Yeah. But being a businessman, that's one hat you wear. Mm-hmm. Being an attorney is another hat you wear. Husband, that's another hat. Now and now, father, right? How do you have all four of those working in conjunction in a day-to-day basis? Oh man, that's still something I'm learning. Um, but my wife is very good at like making sure she has to like define those things, like those ads, like no, you're working, or you know what I mean? Oh no, this is time to be mm-hmm. with. Because when you start your own business. Working doesn't mean actually working. Sometimes you're just thinking about work and that in and of itself is stress. Because when you're thinking about all the things you need to do to keep the business running, it's it's stressful. I'm only able to do it because of my wife. I'm really lucky that my wife is like, will tell me, oh, this is your time to be a father. Wear your father hat. Okay, this is your time to be the husband and, and spend time with me and, and connect with me. This is your time to 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 be a businessman someone was there almost almost like a coach in a in a weird way and 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 it's not like an authoritative coach just someone to help guide you and i i i couldn't say i could have done it by myself i i can't i can't say that and i'm and that's the way that's my only explanation for that is i'm able to do it because someone was there to to point it out to me and show because i could i could just go on and think something and just not be there at that moment and my wife would be like i'll be here in this moment yeah kind of before we wrap this up like what do you where do you see yourself in in five years hopefully in five years like 
right now it's really I'm just focused on on this business and and hopefully expanding in five years. I have big plans and I just hope everything turns out. It it takes a lot of hard work to to run a business and it's a lot of decision making. Like that's one thing about being in business is making right decisions. And I think I am and and I'm I'm really excited to see what happens in five years. I guess in a spiritual emotional sense like I'm hoping to be better at stress because it is still something I need to deal with and it's a process but that's where I hope to be in five years is able to have that so expansion business-wise you know growing family growing love what are like the life lessons you learned along the way that has helped push you to where you're at right now gosh there's so many things adaptation because life doesn't care about your plans. And so you have to be able to adapt to people who survive. If you're just able to adapt, those are the ones who are successful. I think that's overall like about this whole podcast, like pivot, that's, there's a lot of pivots in life. So you have to be able to adapt and just hope for the best. Hope you make the right decision. Trust your heart, whatever it is that your animal, the spirit animal is saying inside to do it. I guess when you reach those pivots in your life and they could be really tough decisions. Breaking from a law firm to breaking out on your own is animal spirit was like, no, this could be fun. This could be like a game. And so I, I'm enjoying it. I, That's I, I amazing. enjoy the business part. Like it's, there's a lot of, it's, I will say about being an entrepreneur is that it's like a roller coaster. There's ups and downs in, in running a business. And I just, I still enjoy it even during the downs. If you had to talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell him? So it's kind of just giving him the heads up about where yeah, his okay. life is going to be. Life is going to, is, is not as, as rosy as people make it out to be, but that's okay. I don't want to live with no scars. So just know if I were to talk to my 18, my 18 year old self, I would tell him, just know, like, you're going to make some stupid decisions and you're gonna make some great decisions but don't regret it and just live with the consequences too for all the listeners out there if you could give them just three bullet point words of advice or anything that you could share to help them as they move maybe pivot from a new job to another or a business what would you say my three points is if you're gonna break out on your own is just get through the first few years um, every entrepreneur says it, you know, once you get through the first few years, it, it just blossoms in you. And it is one of the beautiful things about America is like, like how the business can grow. Second is you have to learn to trust people and delegate because at the beginning, you want to do everything yourself. And another attorney who started his firm and is now successful told me when I told him I finally broke out on my own. He goes, if you can just hire someone who can do 80% of how you do it, that's good enough. So you have to learn to trust people to do their job, to help you. You can't do everything. Third, for breaking out on your own is don't be afraid to, to feel all those feelings. That's just, that's just life. And so there are going to be times where it's going to just be tough. Everyone wants to quit. Everyone always, oh, maybe we should just go back to just going to a law firm. And I know my previous law firm would hire me back in a minute, you know. Don't be afraid to feel those feelings. Let me build myself as a person up and in value. You know, sweat equity in yourself. 
it's going to pay off. And so that's, that's my goal is like, I want to be able to build my brand as an attorney. It's going to be called cruiseinjury.com. If, if anyone actually has any inquiries about, you do work as comp. and personal injury. And that's what okay. we're focusing on. We also do wills and trusts. To, and to the casual person who doesn't know what workers comp maybe give give us a little bit about that so people know just in case maybe yeah. they actually have a workers comp case and they don't even know about it getting covid at work is an injury Co- workers compensation is basically insurance policy that's mandated by the state of california so every company has to get workers comp insurance if you hire employees that's to cover in case you get injured at work but as every insurance company you know they will try every way to nickel and dime you and, and cut you short on what your true compensation should be. So we created the workers compensation system in California where our job at me as your attorney is to get you the most money that you deserve. You get paid for lost wages basically. You get money for the injury itself on the disability of the injury. Um, you get money for future medical care and they will also provide the benefit of re, uh, school retraining. If they want to just give me a call and see if they found out if, or to find out if they have yeah. a workers' compensation case and especially COVID. So COVID is an injury. If you get illness at, at work, any type of illness, if you've worked for a really long time at a company doing hard labor for you know, 10, 15, 20 years, you will have a case. All the essential workers too, they, you know, people who are risking their lives every day, just, you know, people at the groceries, they're, they are high risk for, for catching this. And you would be entitled to benefits if you had to miss time from work, for example, or if the COVID left any underlying effects. And there are a lot of people out there who got COVID while working and, you know, I'll put your info on social media. It's your email. Yeah, Jeff, G-E-O-F-F at Johnson and Cruz, J-O-H-N-S-O-N-A-N as a Nancy B, C-R-U-Z dot com. Best is just call the office too, 714-283-3803. You just leave a message with the assistant and uh, it gets sent to me directly and I can give you a call back. I want to thank you for your time. I think, you know, through this whole conversation, I just learned about how you were able to adapt and grow, not only, you know, from starting off and going to law school to going to a firm, going to firms and actually finding out what you what you wanted to do in a sense and also growing into becoming great businessmen. So I wish you future success in your future endeavors, but you know, I always know that you'll be fine because you can adapt to anything. So Man, thanks for having me. I really, this was enjoyable. This was fun. For all the listeners out there, listen to this episode. Talk to Jeff if you have any issues with workers' comp or a personal injury issue. Listen to it, share it with your friends, and 